The pass from Havili was magic. The shift on for Crotty. Boom, far down you go, Quaggett Smith. Me, oh my, I have enjoyed that. Yes, boy. Sit back, relax, put your belt on, enjoy the show. Good evening, ladies and gentlemen. Welcome to the Draft Rugby Show, where we discuss fantasy rugby, the game they play online in heaven. I'm your host, Nelson, and I'm joined by my co-host, David Cargreg. Cargi, how are you going? Very good, mate. It's a winners-only podcast tonight. The losers couldn't join us. How good is that? Oh, honestly, it's it's great. You know, there's going to be some decent content because we don't have the losers, Harry. We almost had another loser, Nubum, you know, the super sub, but he just wasn't a good enough sub. That's true. I think he just couldn't face the music really when um, for the second year in a row he didn't he couldn't quite cut the mustard in the semifinals. And uh, look, last year I had the joy of knocking him out of the semifinals, and this year not as quite. But I t- I'm taking equal amount of joy in watching him get knocked out, and by none other than his younger brother again, Nay Bung, the, uh-huh. the OG. Uh, I knocked him out. I knocked him out, mate. Oh, how could I? Of course, I, I, I didn't want to. I didn't want to give him a chance to get that name back. That's true, and so you should, um, and quite convincingly, I might say, you uh, you knocked him out. So that was very good. Uh, of course, so Nelson going into the grand final of the OG League Fantasy Twenty uh, Fantasy Trend well, Super Rugby Twenty Twenty One, uh, going up against last year's champ, the aforementioned Nay Bung Nay Bung Junior, who uh, will he make, will he he retains the name now, regardless of of whether he wins or not. But um, I um. Hmm. Who's the top seed, mate? Because uh, I was, you know, the regular season champ. I had the top score in the the semi-final out of all all takers. But I'm up against last year's champion. So who's the top seed? Look, what's it paying? The the pundits would have you at as as the uh, the top seed. Uh, you'll get to pick first, and that's going to be particularly important uh, as. You've already started with the excuses about how since there's the, no Crusaders in the grand final, should it be void because there's no good players playing? Um, but uh, it's, it's frustrating, mate. It's yeah. seriously frustrating. Like the, the names you want are either not playing because they're in the Crusaders or they're probably injured this week. But we'll, we'll touch on that. Look, yeah. you had your invitational playoff. How did that go with Harry? I did the grand invitational. And yeah, it just shows the uh, amount of fantasy points you can get when you get to pick all the best players. But now, we went huge. Uh, I just uh, narrowly beat Harry by about 20 points, 803, 783. Um, and look, I think we, we both had three players scoring over the 100 mark type job. So um, it was a lot of fun. Uh, we didn't, neither of us picked this, this week's, uh, I don't think anyone in fantasy rugby this week picked the man of the round, which we will get to. But um, no, that was a lot of fun. That And, and also we confirmed the OG League wooden spoon back to back and sink. Mate, it's, look, it's disgusting, but we'll look forward to the uh, sexy calendar shoot that we have uh, for him uh, and also putting his name now on the wooden spoon after that finals loss. So should be good. Should be good. I'm, I'm very excited. The sexy calendar is always good. I, I reckon we'll chuck it up on the socials and see if anyone wants to buy it. But you know where to find us across all the socials at Draft Rugby. Let's get into the review of last week. So Trans-Tasman Super Rugby Round 5. We'll pump through these games pretty quick. The first one was the Hurricanes walloping the Reds 43-14. to 14. This was a controversial one for me. There were cards galore and they were all wrong in my well, eyes. And I, I, I was going to say, I think that's it, mate. It wasn't just the yellow versus <clears throat> the red jerseys. It was the yellow versus the red cards, really, in this one. So, <laughs> Mate, it was, it was ridiculous. The, 
We had, I mean, first of all was the Tyrell Lomax, which to me there was, you know, was by far the worst in the match, maybe the worst of the weekend. And he got away with a yellow card. I thought, you know, there was very good reason for that to be a red card. Mm-hmm. We followed that up with a yellow card for Dungunu, apparently for defending too good or something like that. He literally chased down, made the tackle, stood back up, and then was somehow offline, even offside, even though he came from behind the, the tackled player, like on his own side. It made no sense whatsoever. Yeah. And then to double down or triple down in, in this instance for the <laughs> for the ref, Bryce Hegarty rushing for the ball. I think it was against Leo Marpe. Ball was, you know, 30, 40 centimetres off the ground, reaches to try and place the ball down. Mm. Clear intent. His hand was going down. It wasn't shooting backwards to, to push the ball dead. And they called it that he purposely hit the ball dead yeah. And because of that, he got yellow carded and there was a penalty try. My question is, I mean, Lamarpe was – there was no assurity that he was going to touch the ball. You know, like yeah. that ball was going dead and the ball was, you know, a, a foot above the ground. It's just a rubbish call all round, And I'm sure you've heard it everywhere over the last few days. I have no – I think it was literally just that uh... – Lamarpe was playing that well uh, just in the game in general that they just kind of thought every decision had to go his way. It's just like, you know, momentum <laughs> the game, momentum, I think. So, um, but no, those, were some, those were some ridiculous cards, absolutely. Uh, it's, just, it's just like, you know, you, you, can, you can forgive them for getting a few wrong, but like getting <clears throat> them so wrong both ways, <laughs> like as in just, you know, yeah. crazy. Anyway. It was, it was just all against the Reds. There's been plenty of, you know, contentious cause and, you know, mistakes, but this was literally one after the other all going against the Reds. Doesn't matter if there is a TMO, whatever you want to call it. Yeah. They've still got it wrong. So, I mean, this, I understand that they're trying to rule out, you know, head knocks, things like that. But that one for Hegarty was just a joke for me. But look, we said farewell farewell to Laomarpe. He's heading across the stage Francais. He made his impact early with a pretty brilliant try, just a hard hard line, something we know about him too well. Um, finally, we I mean, finally, they let him run the ball. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> they had to wait till his last game of the season or last game in their colours. But we also said goodbye to Brendan Panga Mosa, who's moving over to Montpellier. He scored a try on his on his own on the way out the door for, for the Reds. But... You know, both pretty influential players that have been around and, you know, up, up with where they should be in terms of international selections, maybe not getting as much game time for Lau Marpe as he deserved, but he was he was there or thereabouts for, for a few years. Yeah, mate, huge losses. Uh, Lau Marpe is his first-round fantasy pick for, I don't know, going back how many years now, but um, BPA yeah. as well. I mean, he's the incumbent Wallaby hooker. You know, you, you, you'd have to have your money on him starting uh, this year, this upcoming season as a Wallabies hooker because... <laughs> Uh, mm. it's, it's his jersey to lose, really. So, yeah, that's massive. Uh, and, yeah, I mean, the, one yeah. of the things we've talked about is the Reds having such amazing depth. I think that combo of having BPA and Alex Murphy has served them so well. Uh, and don't get me wrong, Marf is going to come and do a fantastic job, uh, continue to, to do a fantastic job. But, yeah, having that depth is, uh, you know, this is another case of we're losing some of it. But there you go. Yeah, I think it's going to be hard for them to replace. And Murphy will do that job definitely as the number one hooker for, for them. But it'll be interesting that Brendan Pernagamos is a bit bigger body, more solid in the scrum. And, and that's, you know, generally the reason he gets picked in, in Wallabies compared to some of the other hookers as well. He's he's yeah. a good player, but he's also a bigger body. He's, and, and could sniff out a try, absolutely. I mean, I know both Marcy and BPA score tries, but 
he he's very he's very hard to stop in close um, BPA in so. That's, um, that'll be missed as well, I think. But um, a lot, uh, another point from this game, uh, I think, is, is I'm not going to steal it from you, but your big point of the round, uh, you know, we try and talk about the thing that excited us the most this round. Uh, Tatey McDermott, mate, how good was he? Yeah, oh, mate, I'm going to touch on him a little bit. And he, he was absolutely brilliant, really stood up with, with Jock not there for sure. Hmm. Well, I was going to say, do you want to touch Just, on him? Um, We're on this game, mate. Touch on him now. Yeah, may as well, mate. This, yeah, he, he was the guy I was going to touch on a little later. But, he, I mean, for, for the last two weeks without James O'Connor, the, the Reds have touch him actually now, played. I can't say it. I would, mate. I would definitely know. You want doubt. that silky long hair back, those long locks back, though. That's what you want, mate. <laughs> I, I want him to put his hair all over me, mate. I've got no hair, so he can, he can flop it over the top of my head. It looks like we've got enough of both. But, no, look, he... Um, the Reds have actually, without Jock, rather than having Hegarty fill that role as the first receiver and playing off him, they decided know, you, you to you play. Every time you say, no, sorry to interrupt. You know, every time you say Jock, you have to confirm. We're talking about James O'Connor because they have Jock. They have two. They have the guy who we call Jock, and they have actual Jock Campbell. So without James yeah, O'Connor, Jock Campbell, Jock Campbell hasn't been there for for a little while, especially starting. And, and as a number ten, he's never been there. So look, uh, without. James O'Connor in that 10 jersey, they've decided to play off Tate. So his role has actually changed. A lot of their attacking phases come off him, which is different. You know, before he was happy to give the ball to to James O'Connor, O'Connor was the one that created space around him, whereas Tate has had to do a lot of that by himself. And and it's really reflected in how well he played and and his statistics from the weekend. He made nine runs for 80 metres, which from a half back is amazing. He made 10 tackle busts, four <laughs> offloads himself. Uh, he scored a try. He, he was just absolutely everywhere in that match for them. He's really, menace. really pivotal. Yeah. He is an absolute menace. And uh, the other thing, like not only did he score tries, he, as I said, he was putting other people in those positions. How good was that, you know, delayed ball and little sort of, I think it was a double pump and then ball to Wilson straight through that line. Good line by Wilson, but just really well picked by Tate. Oh, absolutely! That's that's the world class whole like, ball playing skills right there. But I think for for mine, the thing I particularly noticed this week, and obviously he's been doing it the entire time, but half those tackle busts, mate, he has to be like he should be in the NBA because he is the king of the spin move. Like just he loves spin it. move. He, he just like he literally pivots every like half the time, and they just never seem to to pick it. I don't know how he does it every run, and he gets a tackle bus. It's amazing. I don't know what it is. I, I I try to pull that out quite a few times in footy, and it never seemed to work as well. So, well, look, I'm not sure you're as nimble as he he uh, he is. Uh, look, I know you had some wheels back in the day, mate, but um, you know, uh, lateral movement. Okay, we're talking here. Um, yeah, that was never me. Um, look, we'll, we'll jump across to the the next game. The, this was a disappointing one for me. The Brumbies twelve to the Highlanders thirty three. Do you want to take us a bit through this game? Yes. It um, was a big issue. There was a, there was a clear big issue in this one. Mate. Oh, mate, the jerseys. Now, Stone, he's getting me riled up about this again. Mate, what is this? So, yeah, look, the Brumbies had their Pacifica jerseys on. They went for something a bit different this year, and they were pretty cool, to get me wrong, but I'm not hating on that jersey. Love it, and I love the initiative. But, mate, when the two teams come out in alternate jerseys and they look practically the same... Like, what's going on? Okay, like, obviously, yes, the two teams are running different directions, but... Just, it's a nightmare, mate. Like, we've talked about this many times over the years on the pod, but to my, to, for mine, it's really simple. You should be always wearing one jersey, and the only reason for which you should ever wear an alternate strip 
is if you are the away side and your normal jersey is the same colour as the home team. That, to, for my, that's the only reason. Oh, look, I'll, I'll give the home side the right to do something different. You know, you're, you're allowed to wear a Pacifica jersey. You're allowed to wear an Indigenous jersey. But, I mean, those jerseys are, are known prior to the match. You know, you're not revealing that on the day when you run out on the field. So the away team has to either wear their jersey if it doesn't clash or yeah. if that clashes, they wear their alternate jersey. You don't just wear an away jersey because you're not at the postcode you're normally at. That's not how it works. <laughs> it is just this stupid thing that... For some reason, the Kiwis have really wanted to promote their away jerseys. They all look pretty average. Yeah. And, and once again, there was a, a clash here. No, I know. Look, I, I think I'm pretty old school in that. I just wish that, you know, everyone knows every team has one main jersey. That's the jersey you buy. You know what I mean? Like, yeah, occasionally they make some cool alternate jersey and you might buy that. But just wear the main jersey, all right? Just the main colour, the main jersey. Get Ridiculous. But anyway, that's sorry. That was just, that was the main thing that pisses about this game. But Brumbies Landers, look, Landers thirty-three to twelve. Um, yeah, I, I was saying to Nels before we started the pod. Uh, I was trying to remember really what happened in the first few games, but um, there was a big driving mall try which uh, worked really, really well. Um, uh, you know, the backs. Sorry, yeah, the, you there go. Was the, the, there was the, they both had one right. They both teams had a, a really good driving mall try. The Highlanders was off a bit of a trick play, um, whereas the Brumbies was a clear drive, and that got um, Lonigan his his try. Nos, and they nos both nos had nos. a really, nos. They both had a really good back, real worked, real well worked back try um, to take it twelve fourteen. The Highlanders just up at half time. Sorry, we're doing some tongue yeah. twisters here. Yeah, no, yeah, no, yeah, great. Right. Um, yeah, it was definitely a bit of a. Um, like the, I guess they were playing a similar styles both both teams, um, and I, I guess it's yep. expected. But yeah, yeah, it really. I mean, it all changed in that second half. The yeah. the Brumbies seemed to to be a little bit lost, and the the Highlanders really took it to them. Um, they had another a beautiful lineout. Sorry, this was the beautiful lineout play to Billy Harmon, um, where the Brumbies were worried about the driving more. Billy Harmon switches around, comes to that blind side, ends up diving over and scoring. And just so much class from Aaron Smith. He, he put the team on his back, I reckon, in this second half, set up a couple of tries, who scored, scored one himself. Um, and then, yeah, the boys from Otago ended up some big winners on, on the day. Absolutely. And, um, yeah, I mean, it's kind of spoilers for the next game, but, um, yeah, huge winners, not just winning that game, but, uh, Winning themselves into the Super Rugby mm. Trans Tasman final, huge. Mate, do we do we want like I think you should go through your point of the weekend, seeing as it was related to this match. I was getting there. Um, yeah, no, look, I mean, I had two things that I really enjoyed this weekend, but the, I mean, the first one, you guys know, it always comes down to a big hit for mine, and just uh, Robbie Valentini's big Bobby Valentini absolutely lined up Scott Gregory. There was a pass, was a little bit too high, left the rib cage exposed. And he absolutely sat him down. It was literally the yeah, most perfect tackle and time to tackle mm-hmm. ever. And look, credit to credit to Gregory, he got up. And he's a tough guy, Scott Gregory, but that that hurt. But <laughs> you could feel it. All, all reports. I mean, it was just before halftime. All reports was he was crying in the change room. He he just held it in long enough to get back into the change room. That's it. That but, might be a rumor that I made up, but. <laughs> I'm, I'm so looking forward to, and I'm sure we'll get onto it, uh, probably shouldn't spend a long time about it on this pod, but in future pods about the Wallabies. But last year, just, you know, Harry Harry Johnson home, uh, sorry, not Harry Johnson Holmes, um, Harry Wilson and Taniela Tupo 
and Lockie Swin and the boys getting up at that line speed and absolutely making some smashing hits on some of the All Blacks. I'm looking forward to having Rob Valentini and Harry Wilson both there, just like having having the All Blacks or having whoever they're playing the French just looking over their shoulder, you know, thinking twice. I can't. Can you imagine having that that line speed of Harry Wilson and Valentini in that Wallabies jersey? It's going to be so good. Mate, it's exciting. And let's be honest, Hooper's got some good line speed shooting out of that line to make some hits as well. So That's you get those three guys lined up close to each other and it's going to be, you know, pretty imposing. But let's jump across to, okay. I mean, it was, sorry. I was going to say, I can talk about this game, mate. We're talking about my team here, the Crusaders. Yeah, sure. I remember everything happened this, mate, this Yeah, this, uh, this was my team as well for the, for the weekend. <laughs> it was everyone's team for the weekend, really. But... Um, yeah, I think the, the, the first point is that, yeah, you think, um, you'd think you think a 26-point win. They ended up winning 52-26. to 26. And just the nature of Super Rugby Trans-Tasman um, was that there was a lot, a lot of times that the Kiwi teams ended up walking away with a win but still being disappointed. They looked like they'd lost for all, for all money. And, uh, and this one was a super case of that. Yeah, we, we haven't said who it was yet. I suppose most people will know, but it was the Crusaders running out 52 to 26 against the Rebels. Literally doubled their score, got a bonus point, yeah. and it just wasn't enough. They needed a 33-point win. They yeah. walked away with 26. And on numerous occasions, they just got over-eager. They had white line fever. There were a couple errors. But the one for me that stands out, and I, I hate to put it on a player because it's <laughs> – it's not, it's not, the game doesn't come down to one moment, but boy, oh boy, it's, to me, it was a clear one. Braden Enoa breaking the line, oh. no one in front of him, no one close to him. And he had a good grip on the ball by the look of it. And then he just drops it cold. And that was the Crusaders dropping their hopes of making the grand final. That's no. what it was. You, if he got that, he would have run it on the post. They would have kicked it and they would have made the grand final. I think, look, you, you, you know he would have been copping it all week. I'm sure he probably had to do the uh, nutty run at the um, end of the season just for that. But he looked like he was uh, he was already thinking about his try his post try celebration. You know what I mean? He was already thinking about the beers after the game. He was uh, looking at the camera. Yeah, it was just one of those ones where you don't know how it just slips out, but it just happens sometimes. And absolutely, you, you got to feel for him. <laughs> yeah, look, I, I I'm a NL fan. I think he's a real good player. There was a bit more pressure on him this week. Um, with Havili pulling out and then he's uh, inside center getting injured early on in the match as well. Mm. And, I mean, he, he played relatively well more so in that second half than the first half, bagging himself a try. But yeah. it's just such a, just such a simple error, you know, mm. dropping the ball on your way in. In the Crusaders, this is not how they normally play. Like, they were, they were very good. They scored two tries in the first few minutes. But seriously, there were, there were more er- errors. There was just... There was. It seemed like they needed this one more. There was more pressure on them than any grand final we've seen them played, and they're running against against the weakest team ever to take the field in Super Rugby. That backline for the Rebels, but I mean, people did stand up. Kellaway stood up, and I think defensively he was really, really good. But the, the Rebels, to, to their credit, kept themselves in this game. They get fourteen points down, and they end up scoring a try and bring themselves back into it and stemming that flow. Yeah. But Really, the Crusaders were always going to win, but it was just whether they could get that 33 points. That's it. Uh, and I think, look, I can't remember what we tipped last week, but uh, I think the three of us, that we put some pretty big tips on the Crusaders. I'm, I'm sure I said over 50. I probably could have said 60 or 70 points. I don't know how much I expected. I'm pretty sure, yeah, I'm pretty sure they were 60, 70, 80 points, something like that. 
But yeah, <laughs> definitely a few moments where they got away from him. I mean, even Frank Lamani's try, um, he kind of just slipped out of a tackle, or t- a very makeable tackle or two, it looked to me, down mm. the sideline. Um, just those little moments. Yeah. But um, yeah. Tamani uh, Williams being a, a little bit over eager, reaching out to try and dot the ball down himself. Oh, I, I was a try, to be honest with you, but there you go. It was pretty. It was pretty close, like pretty pretty rough. But realistically, did he need to reach out at that point? They were moving forward. You know, the the defensive line shuffling backwards. He didn't need to reach that out. They could have gone one more phase and they would have scored. Yeah, yeah. So the, the clinical crusaders. You know, like it's just that not in their nature to do that. I, I think. No, that's true. That's true. Um, yeah, I think they were, I think you're, you're bang on. They're just so eager, and it just seemed like, uh, yeah, it seemed like they were a little stressed. I think I think it's a it's a weird scenario that you've got to win a game by 33 points as well, like because it you know yeah. it's like hard to like be winning by a lot and and yeah. still kind of keep track. I don't know. It's a anyway, but um, yeah, there's, there's a there's a lot of pressure on that. But yeah. I mean, this this is the weirdest thing to come out of this game. The Rebels have managed to do something that no team has done in five years. Not beat the Crusaders. Literally no team has done this. It's be the spoil sports and ruin the Crusaders' dreams of winning a championship. That's that's basically... That, yeah, mate, that is tantamount to beating the Crusaders, let's be honest. Does that equate as one win? That one win? It, I mean, yeah, why not? <laughs> we need them. <laughs> Uh, it'll get us a little bit closer to how many uh, how many wins the Aussie side's got over the Kiwi sides uh, for what we all tip. But, uh, we, won't, we won't we won't talk about that. No, nah, but look, um, one, one, seven, seven race, three tries. I think. Oh uh, yeah, crushed it. Um, yeah, I think Havili was Havili named and then pulled out. He was he was, he was yep, pulled he out. Was, late, so he was Dallas, team. Uh, Yeah. Um, so he got injured early. Yeah, I mean, I don't know. I can't remember who came off the bench. It's rough. Master Mateli was coming. I mean, look, man, yeah, it was. Mateli came in. Fanganuku shifted in one. Yeah. Um, I think Enor played twelve. Mm. So uh, all over the shop a little bit. Right, we should move on to the next game, but of course, the roughest part of this all, which you and I are having a good laugh about uh, earlier, is that um, none other than our third uh, third wheel, third uh, musketeer, and co podcaster Harrison Dale. Is uh, going to be over in Christchurch this weekend, uh, not attending a Super Rugby Trans Tasman final uh, that he was expecting. So um, I wonder if we'll see Harry, like you know, somehow try to scramble, uh, you know, a flight up to Auckland, and uh, if he can convince the misses that uh, scrap their plans and uh, get up there for that. But who knows? Well, um, I don't know if you, I don't know if you saw that he actually pushed his wife off a cliff. Like, he even put it on social media. There was a bungee cord. But you just know he was hoping that there was an error. Then nothing holding him to stay there because she's the boss. He could have just done a little flight up to to Auckland. No, of course, Harry wouldn't do that. He, he, she didn't let him spend long enough at the various stadiums and rugby museums over in New Zealand. So um, yeah, yeah, exactly. Let's let's jump across to the following game: yes. the Blues running out winners, thirty-one twenty-one to the Force. And again, I mean, this is the fourth out of five games that the Force have stayed within 10 points or lost with 10 or less points in Super Rugby Trans-Tasman. Yeah, I mean, again, holy cow, a game of two halves. Yeah, you can certainly say yeah. that. Uh, I think I was last week when we were doing the reviews, I had only remembered the um, Hurricanes absolutely belting the Force 
uh, two weeks ago, whereas last week the, the Force certainly stood up against the Crusaders, which was um, surprising. And I kind of feel like we saw the, both of those two games in this game with the Force. The first half, the Blues came out 28-0, and it looked like a goodbye and good night. See you on your way. But, um, yeah, no, the Force came back in that second half. Uh, it was 21 points to three to the Force. So if there was a third half, uh, who knows? Who knows what could happen? You know what I mean? But, um, yeah, huge. Uh, very, yeah. Oh, yeah, sorry, you go, yeah. I was just going to say, very impressive from the Force, you know? Like, uh, one thing out of this weekend is they backed some of their local boys. They didn't start Miotti and Kubeli. They started, um, who was it, uh, Pryor and McIntyre. Who I mean, for me, as soon as I saw those names, I thought they were going to be a little bit in trouble. They also had a young Callan at number eight. Um, but yeah, what are you doing? I was saying we have the international caps up here. Uh, <laughs> yeah. If you're not watching us on the video, I'm raising my hand really high. And then we have the local boys, and uh, you can't yeah. even see my hand on the screen because it's the stocks have dropped. I mean, they started um, Strawn over Kearney as well, Carney oh, and. Yeah. I mean, anyone from overseas, they're like, nah, boys, you've had enough. You can you can sit on the bench. And look, realistically, when they came on, that's when they did well. <laughs> <laughs> that's when uh, they picked up a little bit. Yep, uh, for sure. Yep. Uh, yeah, absolutely. Uh, like, that's that's kind of indicates that second-half performance. But, no, they it was amazing for them to, to come back like that, I thought. You know what I mean? Just that takes such a beating in the first half. And the Blues did certainly shut up shop a little bit in the second half. They kind of – they did run out like jobs done here. And the force just obviously – Tim Sampson gave some strong words at halftime and just said, you know, I think it's one of the first few times the team actually listens to, all right, boys, it's nil all. Let's, uh, let's go out there and start again. Um, and they did. So it was a good look. In terms of this one from mine, Hoskins to 2-2, huge, huge game from him. Massive. Yeah, it was inspirational. I mean, he scored two bag, two tries for himself. Uh, I mean, the whole forward pack really just stood up for the Blues and, uh, I mean, that's what we're going to, you know, don't want to uh, spoil this, but that's what we're going to talk about for the main course for the Super Rugby Trans-Hasman final coming up. But, um, yeah, uh, so Tutu was massive. Uh, yeah, I mean, they won this game at the forwards, didn't they? Yeah, definitely. Uh, I think Talia as well on the wing, he just showed his class. We haven't seen as much of it this year as I think we did earlier last year, but hmm. he's just an electric finisher and he's, he's a player that excites me. And, yeah. You know, if he can go uninjured and staying that side for a bit longer, hopefully he can, can show his real value. Yeah, we've we've said it, we've called it so many times. We've been waiting for him to <clears throat> rip it up in that 11 jersey. So, um, yeah, it's good to see him finally get back to that. But, um, yeah. And, no, this... um, your, one of your boys, mate, Zahn Sullivan. Zahn Sullivan, mate, holding down that 15 jersey. Harry was adamant that uh, that would never happen and, that Stephen Perra franchise would be back in there in any minute. But, um, mate, I was calling it. Will Jordan 2.0. He perhaps hasn't come out no. with anywhere near that amount of flash to warrant the Will Jordan 2.0 branding. But, um, mate, his minor his, well, his 10, his, his NBC, whatever, the New Zealand Provincial Tournament last year, he was unbelievable. And I think, look, he's a young kid. Uh, he's much younger than Will Jordan. And he's just he's just warming up, just getting ready for the Super, Rug, uh, Super Rugby level. Is um, is exciting, and his kick might be very important coming this weekend. We'll, we'll delve into it later, but yeah. he's got a, a massive boot on him, yeah. um, and he just offers a few things very different to to Perra franchise. Yeah. Um, but he's an exciting player coming hey, through. Do you want to franchise? Be playing ten, 
for that team. Put him in a 10 next year. And that is one he, he could He could this week. He could this week. This week. Hey, Jumper, start us on this next game. Okay. Uh, I have a waterfall inside, so I'll be one second. Okay. I don't know what that means, but um, uh, we'll it's, it's raining from the roof. Cool. Um, all right. Well, I'm on the other side of Sydney to Nelson. It's not raining where I am. But uh, yeah, the Waratahs and the Chiefs. Uh, the huge upset victory here that we all knew was coming. The uh, Waratahs somehow losing seven points to 40 to the Chiefs um, at home in Brookvale, just down the road from me. But, uh, yeah, I mean, again, I'm pretty sure we we all tipped this. Well, actually, look, we got, we got this wrong in the tipping in that we thought the Chiefs would score more points and we also thought the Waratahs was going to score more points. I think we... We all thought this would be around the Tarzan score, somewhere to 20 to 30, and the Chiefs would be probably around the 50 to 60 mark. Um, and I think for mine, look, the big one here, I, we alluded to it earlier, but the fantasy man of the round, Sean Wainui, coming back from injury to start on that left wing, bagging himself five tries, a new Super Rugby record in one game. Huge. Um, I thought, look, Did my he, point, uh... yeah, you go. People chatting about it on Twitter, five tries and one tackle bus. But no, it really wasn't that. He actually, he, he had some of those tries gifted to him, but he he had a very good, solid game. I yeah. reckon he played this game very, very well. He got, you know, four or five tackle busts, a couple of line breaks. I think he had a really good week. And now, look, you guys know I don't love uh, shitting on Australian rugby, but um, I was watching it, watching the game with a couple of mates that um, – were you know not not as rugby mad as I am, and uh, they were asking, they're like, oh, he's he's scored a try, he's not even smiling, he's not even celebrating. Like, what's going on there? And I went, oh, it's it's because um, he's only scored one try, mate. He's coming, he's playing the Waratahs. He's a winger playing the Waratahs. He's he won't be happy unless he gets three, you know. And uh, end of the game, he was with the five, so <laughs> he, he's finally smiling by about the fifth, you know. Uh, it was it was great. It was it was pretty impressive, pretty impressive. Yeah. Um, yeah, look, uh, one of the big things from this one, disappointing thing for any Aussie rugby fan is the Parisi injury dislocated his shoulder or apparently they said he subluxed it, which is dislocated and it pops back in. But he looks like he's going to need surgery and he'll be out for the French uh, tour of Australia. Hopefully he'll be back for some of the rugby championships. By all reports, he should be fine for that because that's a couple months away. Um, but he, look, he played 13 minutes of two carries. He made 24 metres five tackle busts and a line break in 13 minutes. That, sounds, that is ridiculous. That's unbelievable. That actually sounds about uh, the same amount of stats that I get in a normal rugby game, but then, uh, but then I'm out of steam after no, 13 minutes. No, no way say, you get five tackle busts. No, no, but that's, that's, <laughs> then I'm out of steam after 13 minutes. I can't play any more rugby, so that's, um, you know, we're done. <laughs> yeah, yeah. yeah, maybe. Uh, no, he's huge. Nelson and I um, were having a chat before this about we're very excited to see him in the Wallaby squad, but, um, yeah, it's certainly a shame. Um, he was... As I've said, he was the entire Waratahs backline for sure. Um, so huge loss. Um, another one out of this one was a dumb, dumb decision from Swinton. But for me, also something I think was the wrong card, which is just becoming a trend in Super Rugby at the moment. But Swinton lying on the ground, Boshir over the ball, and Swinton lying down. So like no real power in it. Mm. tried to lean back and push him out of the way, Boshir out of the way, and his shoulder copped him on the jaw. Um, the, the ridiculous push thing about this... Yeah, the ridiculous thing about this, Boshir came out afterwards and said, I didn't even realise he hit me on the jaw. Like, it was that soft. 
They slowed it down and looked at the point of contact. For sure, the point of contact was high. He didn't really have anywhere else to hit him, but you just can't be shouldering people in the head. I would accept a yellow card, even though there was absolutely nothing in it. By letter of the law, he hit him in the head. I would have accepted a yellow card, but somehow he ended up with a red card. Now his French tour is at risk, and I just honestly, I think it's ridiculous. It's because of the name. It's just, uh, I don't know, you, you see Swinto and you go, yeah, we'll probably make a red card. I mean, we say every week, if you slow down every breakdown, you'll probably find something worthy of a yellow card. Uh, but, yeah, you hit on the head, Nelson. I've talked about it lots of times before, so I won't today. What else do you want them to hit? There's not much to hit there. Oh, mate. When someone's kind of falling yeah. over the ruck, all that you can really see is their head and shoulders. So tell me what else you want them to hit. I don't know. So... Anyway. He was literally lying down, like over the ball in a legal position. You're not allowed to stomp the bloke anymore. But he's he was over the ball illegally, so slowing the ball down. Yeah. There is nothing else you can touch, you know. Like maybe maybe his one option he had was to do the crocodile roll. That's the only other option. Yeah. But it was yeah. I think the, the, the intent, you know, behind that in player safety is that you don't come running in at full speed and shoulder someone to the face. That's the, what the red card is trying to protect against. Not, not if Something if malicious. Or, yeah, not if you're already in there and then you're just getting up and trying to push someone forward because you just don't have the momentum or weight behind you to be able to, do, to really inflict as much damage. But, anyway, we could talk about this forever, but, no, I think everyone... I think most people would agree, bit of a harsh red, whilst by the letter of the law, any contact with the head or neck region, whatever. But, anyway, sad one from that one. Um <clears throat> Speaking of, uh, uh, yeah. you go. Sorry, what did you have to say? No, do you want to take us to this next point? Read it word for word, what I write down. Are we talking about uh, old Marky Mark? Mark, where are your car keys? No, write down what I said though. Uh, all right, he's got a tongue twister for me. Noanganitawase uh, did what Noanganitawase does, showing us his prowess in attack and demonstrated. His brilliant aerial skills and score uh, to score a try and made forty four percent of his tackles, four of nine. Mate, you nailed it. You made that. You actually, you, you did quite well there. I'm I'm impressed. You've been I, reckon, I reckon. I don't know what's what's um what's higher. My uh his, his tackling success rate or my saying his name success rate. You know what I mean? They could be pretty pretty on par. But no, look. I mean that that try was river. That's that's everything we love from him. We know he has. Some hella good ac- acrobatic skills, um, you know, in terms of finishing in the corner. But also, I mean, that was a bloody class AFL jump off. Uh, I don't know whose back it was off, but um, pretty hard to beat that, really. I think a great battle at training would be watching uh, Vunavalu and, uh, and Marky Mark go at it uh, for the air ball. But, um, yeah, it's uh, – look, I think he's still – Mind the first thing he needs to work on, obviously, is tackling. But the second thing, and, and I feel like he was getting unduly ripped all week uh, from, uh, from all, all weekend, really, Marky Mark. But um, he's got to work on his tackling, but he's also just got to work on not trying to throw the ball every time he gets into contact over his shoulder or whatever. Yeah. Just, just hold he's, on. He's got the Pattaya disease. <laughs> and you love the ball, but as soon as someone touches you, you hate the ball. And you've got to throw it somewhere. That's that's legit what seems to happen with him. But look, he's lethal. He showed that his offloading things can actually be a real asset, but he just needs to tone it down a little bit. I, I really, really actually love him in attack. We all do. We think he's potentially got a massive future if he can work on some of these issues. But 
the thing that's holding him back at the moment is his defense. And you, you can't argue it. 44%. Yes, you know, there were issues with the the Waratahs back line, but Nwanga Nidawasi, hands down, has the worst defense in that side. Doesn't matter if he's wing, doesn't matter if he's fullback, you can't hide him somewhere. He just really, it's almost like a commitment issue to a tackle, you know, like he gets gets stepped on the inside. He doesn't like, he just doesn't really commit to make a tackle. It's like he's overthinking it going, I know I normally do this wrong. What do I need to do it right? And then he goes, shit, I've already missed the tackle. You know, like he's just not, there's nothing natural about defense for him at the moment, but I really hope he can figure it out because he's lethal. And look, as a big front rower that doesn't really uh, chase down wingers or anything like that, uh, I mean, even even I believe that the uh, the, the golden rule is uh, never get beaten on the inside. You always want to be beaten on the outside because uh, then you at least yeah. have uh, the touchline as your extra defender. And the, <clears> amount of, <throat> the amount of photos we've got of Marky Mark just kind of diving backwards, looking longingly as he's overrun the guy and gets stepped inside, it's just it's starting to add up. You know, we could make a great montage of that, so... Um, certainly something yeah. to work on. But what else did you think out of this game? Um, I mean, um, look, there's not much. There's not much else. This this Waratahs team was just decimated by injuries of late, and and I mean, we didn't really expect them to do much different to this. There, there was still hard in their team, but there was just too many too many issues in, in that defensive line, and, and they, it's, yeah. it's frustrating to say, but yeah, and they lost all of they that. Just made time. Had none of their ball carriers there because they didn't have Angus Bell, Harry Johnson Holmes, and Parisi went off after 13 minutes. So no carrying ability, basically. But um, there you go. Excellent. All right. Well, do you want to take us through some of the? Uh, you want to quickly run us through some of the uh, points from the round, and then we can move on to the main course. Yeah, no problem. Fantasy man of the week. You already touched on it, Sean Wainui. He had five tries, but his total of fantasy points was 121, which has got to be up there with, you know, one of the top for the year. He had 105 metres, four tackle busts, six line breaks, an offload. So it wasn't all just the tries. That's 50 points for him, but he still scored 71 points around the paddock. So a really, really good showing for him against quite a weak Waratahs outfit, but he can't take it away from him. Other worth mentions are Severice with 112, Geordie Barrett 107, Nwang, uh, Nwanganita, <laughs> and Nani Lalmape with 98. You've forgotten him already. He hasn't even left yet. And, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. and uh, Richie Mo with uh, Moonga with 90 points, none of which that are going to be in this grand final. Uh, it's going to some, come down to some skills and else. Some skills, mate. The real test. <laughs> it's going to be tough. But look, do you want to jump into the super sub and captain mug? The what, what do the this week's super sub and uh, the super sub of our podcast who is not joining us tonight have in common? Um, I thought this what? was a layup, but they're both grubs. Uh, this week's super sub, Dane Coles, uh, fifty-three points. He scored two tries in his short twenty-four minute cameo. Um, I think everyone probably, aside from Moore, started to the Hurricanes and. This, I think this is the one week that he wasn't somehow didn't bag a try. Everyone thought he was a shoe in for at least one try. But um, no, Colsey, the super sub. Uh, I mean, yeah, you give him. I reckon he's almost better coming in at the end of the game. He just like he, he's he does he has the same impact whether he's on for sixty five minutes or fifteen minutes. Can you imagine? So, like, give, yeah, sorry, sorry, I didn't mean to cut you off. Yeah. So just give the bloke 15 minutes. He has the same impact on the match. <laughs> like, it's like, how terrifying a prospect is it just 
the whole of next year, they can just literally swap Asafra Moore and Dan Cole starting and, uh, and and benching for the whole year. It's, that's like probably two of the best hookers in the world. <laughs> Unbelievable. But, um, no, I'm, I'm just going to see. Yeah. I, I mean, I, I've got to see. It's going to happen at some point. Yeah. Coles will slowly fade into non-existence. He won't stop playing at his peak where he's still, you know, killing it at the moment. He's going to try and keep on playing. And he, sure, you can hover on the wing and you can do some of the stuff he does and still score some tries. But he's still quick, you know. But he's just going to have to lose, a, you know, that yard of pace. He's never going to lose his class. He's, his grubbiness is going up because it's, you know, compensating for some of his other things that are starting to, to have a little bit of deficiencies in him. Yeah. He's still class, but he just can't keep doing it. Look, I had a big crack at him for being, what, 37 or however old he is, and he signed another team <laughs> the Hurricane. You're right. He's the kind of guy who he won't, probably won't ever stop playing rugby. You know, like he, he, no. won't be played, he won't know when it's time to retire. He'll be told when it's time to retire by not getting picked. Yeah. And then he'll just and then he'll just go play club rugby. He won't even care. He'll just go play yeah, NBC yeah. for the next like ten years or something. Yeah, that's fine. Hundred percent, hundred percent. All right, and just to round us out, the Captain Mud Award for he who shall not be named, but you should know on this podcast. I can't bring myself to say his name. Thank God he's not Australian. Um, Ray Nuia minus fifteen points in his first game since January last season. Came on for a barnstorming yellow card, one penalty, and one lost lineout throw. That's a ripper performance. So if you add those stats up, that's actually a minus 16 points. So he did get a point. The sad thing about it was that was for taking the field. So <laughs> if you didn't get a point for taking the field, he would have been minus 16 points. Uh, that that's is horrifying. What's he playing for the moment? Was he playing for the Blues or was he the Highlanders? The Blues, okay. I think he was the Blues off the bench. Because he used to be playing for the Highlanders, so who knows? He's a bit of a journeyman. Yeah, he hasn't played... He hasn't played for a long time. And oh, clearly, actually, he, I think his last game was January last year or something like yeah, that. It was. And after this, after this performance, he'll probably have to move on to another team uh, as well. So there you go. All right. So over to the main course, we're going to preview the Super Rugby Trans Trasman Grand Final. <laughs> Trans Trasman! Woo! Yeah, you heard me. The Trans Trasman. It's the first time we've ever seen it. We can call it whatever we want, mate. It's going to be played Saturday at 5.05 Australian Eastern Standard Time. So if you follow any rugby in Australia and you're going to be watching first grade, the first grade of any team playing, they're going to end and you're going to have to run off the field and start watching this game. That's pretty That's poor, isn't it? It is. It is. Um, but thank God you're not playing this week. So uh, you're, all, you're all sweet, mate. This, this is why I retired from rugby, because it got in, in the way of me watching rugby. <laughs> yeah, <very laughs> All right, so it's the Blues versus the Highlanders in Auckland. It's been a long time coming. Wait, wait, sorry, did you say the Highlanders? North. So you mean, isn't the Blues versus Crusaders? Are you sure you got that right? <laughs> yeah, no, the Highlanders. The oh, Crusaders yeah. aren't in the final, mate. Damn, someone's got, to tell, someone's got to tell Harry that he's not going to a final in Christchurch again. It's, it's, it's not even in Christchurch. It's in Auckland. Huge. You just It's odd, isn't it? Mm. You just assume. Yeah. But no, look, the, the Blues versus the Highlanders. This is actually two teams that both missed the Super Rugby Aotearoa final, interestingly. So, you know, give two other teams a, a crack at it. But... You know, it's we don't get to see the team lineups until tomorrow. So there's a lot of speculating. Generally, we're on the money. 
So yes. we'll just assume whatever we say, we'll just take it as gold. And so to be but, fair, I was going to say, the, as you said, two different teams from the Super Rugby Aotearoa final. These are the two teams in New Zealand that are the best at beating Australian teams. That's what they are. <laughs> yeah, exactly. I mean, Crusaders, they were on equal points, but for and against, just they weren't up to it. That's it. The Crusaders, they left everything against us. They, they, they spent everything in the tank just beating all the Kiwi teams and they just didn't leave enough to beat the Australian teams efficiently. 100%. But look, we're going to put a little caveat on this. These players are in doubt. These are not injuries. We're not saying that they're not going to play, but these are players that are in doubt. If we jump into the Blues first, big souse, Tom Robinson, he's out or he's potentially out. He's actually in a lot of doubt. You know, they were saying earlier on in the week that he was in a lot of doubt. I reckon um, you're actually, I think you're going for a record of, you know, before I think the word was cohesion. How many times could you say that in the podcast? I think you just said the word doubt at least 15 times in about yeah. a 10 second span. Yeah. So, um, just, well, don't I don't doubt that you're head doing it. Sorry to ruin your flight, but uh. <laughs> it's, he's in a lot of doubt. But um, no doubt, no doubt. I'll, I'll watch that. Um, Dalton Papali as well. He's back row <laughs> partner. And Otteri Black, he had a lower leg injury and couldn't finish training on Tuesday. Um, but most in doubt for them, for the Blues, is definitely Otteri Black. You know, and, and the concern is, you know, he's been their pivot pretty much all year. Yes, they've got Plummer there as an option. Um, they've got Perifeta, who's been playing club footy. Um, but that's pretty severe for them. And and also who didn't train on Tuesday, Offa Tukumafasi didn't train on Tuesday. Yes, he's had a bit of an injury. We already knew that. But that's two pretty big pivotal players in my eyes missing for them. And we throw the names of Papali'i and Robinson, you know, as, as potential players missing the game. And that, that's a lot missing. Yeah, that's huge. Absolutely. I mean, Papali'i and Big Salts have been, um, yeah, huge parts of that big Blues forward pack. Um Offer, of course, no small loss. I mean, yes, they've got quite a few all-black props, so uh, won't be as sorely missed. But, um, yeah, Black, I mean, he's he's been the guy given the job to steer the ship all year, hasn't he? Um, I think they're probably very lucky that they let Harry Plummer, or they had Harry Plummer start a game, I think it was, I don't know, it, was, it wasn't last week, but the week before, they had Harry Plummer start a game at 10 for the Blues, so that would be very lucky. But, um, Matt, you've been loving... The rumor mill this week, uh, the the mind games the Blues have been playing. Tell us about that. Oh mate, the the Blues today putting out the Water Boy. You know the the movie Water Boy replaced Bowden Barrett's head on there as well. So, but just the hints that they've been dropping, I've absolutely loved. So they said, oh, there's going to be you know a really exciting announcement in in the team lineup this week and things along those lines. Other other. You know, coaching staff are coming out and saying, oh, he, he can't qualify for us. He can't qualify us for us. And then other ones are going, oh, we'll only use him if we need him. <laughs> so the story is not straight. They're just putting a lot of doubt in the Highlanders. Yeah. It'd be a horrifying one to, to run out if you, you know, if you have a Terry Black go down. Ah, oh, it's all right. They'll just start Barrett instead. They're just trying to make Tony Brown lose some sleep this week so that hopefully, you know, he tries, draws up some crazier plans than usual or something. They're just trying to frazzle them. And I like it, to be frank. It's good. Um, <laughs> Mate, it's banter. I love yeah. it. Yeah. Uh, and what are the Highlanders? Who, who, they're also missing some players. Um, 
particularly new injuries, I guess. I mean, the big one for me, they're missing. We, I don't know, we named him here, but Shannon Frizzell, I mean, he's, we've long known he's been out for a while, but um, it's huge. He's, he's, he's still out for a few more weeks, so we won't see him. But <laughs> the other the other speculating players, Parry, Parry Parkinson and Jonah Narecki, they both left the field with shoulder complaints. That's all we've got, shoulder complaints. So, I mean, we don't know how bad they are. Um, if if they're going to be okay, you know, John Norecki, just put him on one wing. You know one's going to tackle him. He can't hurt his shoulder. Put him on the wing that, you know, his good shoulder can still make yeah. him tackle. Exactly. Whichever side is, is fine, put him on that side. You know what I mean? I agree. That's, uh, yeah. It'd still be what you need. He's he's huge. You can't really replace him. Uh, he, he's, he is the X factor, so... That's a big one. Um, all right, well, Nelson, I see you've written a small essay here for the history um, between these two sides and a bit of Super Rugby Trans-Tasman, the first. Uh, why don't you take us through that? Yeah, so it's the first Super Rugby Trans-Tasman. It, it might legitimately be the last as well because we could see a 12-team Super Rugby next year. Um, but both these teams, as I said, they, they missed their Aotearoa playoff. Neither of them are used to playing, you know, head-to-head grand final footy. Mm. But who's going to be the one that can step up and get their name etched on the new silverware? The Blues, this is the first final in 18 years, since 2003. That is absolutely ridiculous Huge. from the biggest, you know, the biggest base of players in New Zealand. It's just absurd. But, you know, you say they're like the Waratahs, but they're nowhere near that bad. Um, and the Highlanders won their first trophy in 2015 over the Canes. But the only other I was going to say, which on that one, just, just as a reminder, like that was an enormous yeah. win because that felt like, oh. and, I, and I think everyone's always given the Highlanders, you know, a bit of flack for feeling like a team of nobodies and the misfits. But that Hurricanes team that they beat, that was the Ma, Nonu, Conrad, Smith, Bowden, Barrett. Like that was the oh, Rolls Royce of teams. That was the biggest foregone conclusion. Massive. I reckon that was almost as big a foregone conclusion as the Crusaders over the last few years. Like that, it was, it was that. You were that certain the Canes were winning that. Um, that was huge. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, cra- crazy. I'm pretty sure the, the Highlanders beat the Tars that year to to make the finals as well. And I, I, that could have happened in, in New South Wales if it's the same year. Probably. Yeah, they, they look slick, but they just weren't stacked like yeah. that Hurricanes team was. That, of course, being the year after the, the Tars won, obviously, in 2014. So yeah. that's the peak of New South Wales. Yeah. <laughs> year, year before, I agree. But yeah, the the other finals appearance for them was 1999 against the Crusaders. So you can guess what happened there. Cool. Uh, that, that was in Canterbury as well. So you, you know you know the result. But look, both these teams tied with the Crusaders. We said it before, but they got better for and against. Um, we had the Blues on top with 116 points in the positive. The Highlanders with 103. And the poor performing Crusaders with only 97 points, you know, from their five wins. That's all they were up by. Just just, 20, just plus 20 points a game against the Aussie sides and didn't cut the muscles. Yeah, so. It's not good enough. It's yeah. not good enough. Yeah, poor yeah. performance. Yeah. Um, do you want to take us through? They, so they played each other a couple of times this year in Super Rugby Aotearoa. Do you, do you want to take us through those? Yeah, sure. It's one all. Um, so they uh, played twice in Super Rugby Aotearoa in, uh, in round three. They played in Auckland, and um, that was kind of the start of the Super Rugby Aotearoa competition where we thought it was literally a two-horse race between the Crusaders and the Blues. Uh, they yep. just seemed that much further ahead of everyone else, and uh, the, the result was kind of in that vein. So the Blues running away with it 39-17 to 17 and just kind of really 
really before the wheels seemed to fall off for the Blues um, after, after that. Of course, the Blues didn't even make, end up making the Super Rugby Aotearoa finals. So um, that was a big one. And then in round eight, the, the Highlanders uh, this, in the back half of the season were resurgent uh, after, I think, the Highlanders knocked off the Crusaders as well, I'm pretty sure, a few maybe a few rounds before. Yeah, they did. So, a few big wins for them. And they mm-hmm. won that one 35 to 29 down in Dunedin under the roof. Uh, in a five tries to four game. Um, and that one, you know, I think it was, look, it was interesting. I was going through the stats because I had a look. There was a, a yellow card to the in the Blues for Austin Satutu and then a red card much later in the match to um, Alex Hodgman. Uh, and, you know, you would have thought that um, it was perhaps the, the Blues really getting done on their discipline on a lot of penalties and whatnot. But the penalty count was pretty even. It was 10 to 12. Uh, and this game, what I do remember of this game is that... Um, the Highlanders just seized every opportunity uh, and, and scored on them. Whereas the Blues, who absolutely like both, both teams ended up with fairly even position and territory, but sorry, possession and territory. But um, the yeah, the Blues led all of the attacking stats by a long shot, uh, but just couldn't convert. Just just couldn't put away their chances. So I mean, you know they ran off. It was like four hundred and fifty-four meters to three hundred twenty-seven. Twenty-eight tackle busts to ten. Nine to seven line breaks and twelve to four offloads to the Blues. Massive. Um, and then the only the only real thing you could find in the stats was the Blues conceded twice the turnovers, uh, so they lost a lot more of the ball. Thirteen turnovers to seven. Uh, so the Highlanders <laughs> treasuring possession and converting the opportunities, which was huge. Yeah, I mean that that says a lot about both these teams. I think how they've continued to play throughout Aotearoa and in Trans Tasman. You know, you give the Highlanders a sniff anywhere on the field, and they've you know, being a team that have the ability to put you away and and make you pay. And mm. uh, I think a part of that, Yuani coming back into that side, he hasn't been, you know, 100% on every week, but he just gives you that extra ability. Wherever you are in the paddock, if he gets his hand on the ball, Hunt gets the hand on the ball, there's guys running outside them and running off them. And mm. they're not star-studded, you know. They're not full of this, these All Blacks, but they're hungry and they know how to play that open-style footy. Yeah, absolutely. And I think one of the key points is, you know, we, we were at the start of the season saying we didn't really like how Tony Brown was just so certain he had to fit Mitch Hunt mm. and Joshuani on the field in some capacity. And, you know, last year they experimented with Joshuani at 12. We didn't like that at all. But um, now this year he's tried with Mitch Hunt and Yuani, swapping them at 10 and 15. And I think one of the key things about that is, you're right, jo- Joshuani hasn't been on every game, but it feels like either Mitch Hunt or Joshuani, one of them has been on every game. Uh, and they are just such class players that, um, you know, their their attacking capabilities just really push the Highlanders forward. So, and, and you combine that with Aaron Smith, who's on every game of his life. Um, and yeah, that's how they get the job done. So, um, yeah, it's interesting. And I guess we'll we'll push on to, um, I don't know, just how we think the teams are going to go. But before that, I suppose we just had the, the teams will be named late on Thursday. Um, and... I think Nelson looked up some different odds to what I did, but um, the Blues are definitely strong favourites here. Uh, got them at a dollar thirty-six, and the Highlanders two ninety-five. So uh, it is in Eden Park, and I was looking up the record before. I think in Eden Park, the Blues uh, versus the Highlanders, the Blues have won. I think it's nineteen times, and the Highlanders have only won against the Blues at Eden Park five times. I think it is so. Um, <laughs> It's, it's not all bad in, in Eden Park. 
Yeah, well, exactly. Yeah, we'll, we'd take it. Uh, the Wallabies would take that. Uh, <laughs> but, um, yeah. Right, so, but yeah, uh, I guess, Nels, how do you, we'll talk about the Blues first. How, how, how are the Blues going to, why are the Blues favourites and how are they going to win this game? Look, I mean, being at Eden Park, that's that's a huge thing for them. You know, it's it's their spiritual ground, it's their fortress. They don't they don't like to lose there, and you know, I think that the crowd have been wanting this for so long. They're going to be loud. They've already sold twenty one thousand tickets when I saw yesterday morning. You know, they're they're going to come out in their droves and they're going to try to lift their their home home side. But look, this Blues team, we'll talk about them in depth, but they have a big forward pack. These big boys uh, can be a real strength for them. They're going to come out and be real physical and impose themselves on this Highlander side. Um, and, and, you know, a nimble, quick Highlander side. These teams are very different. Yes, they can both play open field play, but they are very, very different styles. And this Blues forward pack are really going to try to bully this smaller Highlanders pack. And with the likes of Frizzell missing and, and potentially other ones, Mm-hmm. Uh, other players there, you know, it's going to be a little bit tough for that that forward pack for the Highlanders. Yeah, I, I feel like you, did you receive the editorial brief or something from all the various newspapers this week? Just in the, uh, I, I just found it funny how they're, they're all touting a similar line, and it was the same thing that they, they um, all the papers were putting out in, in the round eight game. It was about the uh, the Highlanders were just pressing their advantage, saying we're going to really run around these big this big Blues pack, tie them out, and. Uh, and that's how we're going to win this game. And the Blues just going, well, mate, we're just going to crush them because we're massive. Uh, and, yeah, it's, kind of, it's been the same story again. It's just playing out in the press this week. Uh, but when, when you've got a bigger forward pack, mm-hmm. what is the one thing that you think that's going to influence? You know, like I suppose there's a couple, but can you give me one thing that you think it'll, they'll have a big influence on? Look, I think the Blues scrum will be a lot better. For sure. So the set pace, I think the scrum will be a lot better. Uh, and I think the Blues, look, I think they, the Highlanders are probably better in the lineout if they have Pari Pari Parkinson in as well. Yep. But I'd say the Highlanders definitely have the better role in Maul. Uh, but yeah, for mine, just I, I think the Blues can really push at scrum time and cap some penalties. Um, but yeah, for mine, it's just, just going to be like, I think the Blues are just going to. You know, yes, that it's their size, but the, the physicality—they're going to really try and beat them down, um, just through yeah. both getting in their face with a bit of line speed, but also just big carries. Like they just—they're always going to be making gain line. Their their locks, you know, Patrick Tupelo and Gerard Kelly Tuiotti—they run onto the ball like absolute missiles. Um, and then you combine that with this week. I mean, uh, we have said it. I have said it absolutely every week about why can't we have both Akira and Hoskins at two-two, but Mate, if you've got we, we could this week now with if Big Salves is out, uh, mate, if you've got Akira Hoskins, Tui Pilotu, and Gerard Kelly Tuiotti running at you all game, that is going to take a toll. No doubt about it. hundred percent, it will. But look, I, I'm with you on that that scrum. The the Blues have actually won hundred percent of their scrums through Super Rugby Trans Tasman. Hmm. They only lost, I think, two of their scrums against. Um, in in no, sorry, they've lost two over Trans Tasman, but they've won 100 percent against the Highlanders in their couple of matchups against them. So, yeah. look, this scrums have been a real, real strength for them. They're big bodies, you know, Satutu or Kira, whoever's off the back, they get good gain line from their scrums. They actually use that to their advantage with with their number eight runner. 
Um, for them, their their backs, sorry, their their line out is is definitely a weakness. I think the Highlanders' strength will be the line out against them. Paripari Parkinson is a massive part of that. But if you looked at last week's matchup with the Force, the Force really showed, especially early on in that second half. I think they got four or five line out steals in yeah. a row. I think it was four steals or yeah. four out of five steals, and they were all throwing it to the back of the line out. So. Yeah. What the what the Highlanders really need to do is put their pressure with um, Bryn Evans and Pari Parkinson at that two and four jumper and force them to throw it long. And if the Blues are throwing it long, they've got the pressure on them. They can shift whoever their four jumper is back a little bit, and all of a sudden it's going to start to go their way. I think that that Blues lineout has really struggled. Absolutely. If you're the Highlanders, you're sending someone up at two and four pod every lineout. You're just saying we're never giving you a break here. Yeah, we're going up. 100%. Yeah. They're, they're going up every single time. That would be the the part of this, the start of this game. You just have to send them both up every single time. Yeah, exactly. Um, you're also talking about that driving more for the Highlanders. It's, it is, I mean, it's bread and butter stuff for them. It is really a strength for them. But the biggest thing out of that is it puts doubt in the Blues' defensive line-out. Because now they're, I mean, they showed it on the weekend, but they're really starting to add that extra leg of – they can do their trick plays off the lineouts, and it, it just puts that little bit of doubt in the Blues line because they can't be 50-50. They have to go, you know what, they're going for a drive, we need to stop this, or no, they're going for a trick play. They can't have any doubt in between those two things, but if they do, the Highlanders are going to score. You know, it's yeah. going to be a real strength for them. It'll be a mind game. And it's, it's interesting. So it's the exact opposite, isn't it? For the Highlanders, it <clears throat> doesn't matter where it's on the field. Even if you're defending on your five-metre line, Mate, you're throwing up yep. jumpers because you, you, you believe that you can get that ball. Whereas with the Blues, for sure, you, you can bet your bottom dollar the Blues are not sending up anyone when they're in if they're defending their five meter line. The Blues are just going to try and hit that that mall. Uh, and, and you're yeah. right; they, they're going to absolutely the, the the Highlanders. It's about yeah. Look, I wouldn't be surprised if the Highlanders run a, a trick play off the first one. You know what I mean? Just like they know that the Blues are going to overcommit. Uh, they've done that in a few games throughout the season. Just Ash Dixon sprinting around the back, <laughs> runners on various yeah. yeah, huge. It's 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 really a mind game that evolves over the entire year. Now, I, I don't think I've paid enough attention to it because the ana- analysis of this stuff is really, really in-depth. Mm-hmm. And I know when we've tried to add this stuff, it's one of my favourite parts of the game, that, that trick play of line-out. You have yeah. to earn it. You have to have a really good solid set piece. So early on, it was a lot more driving mores and being really solid there. And they start to bring in those trick plays over time. I reckon they've probably got some up their sleeve that, you know, we haven't seen yet. But you'd assume that first line out in an attacking position that they're going to do a driving more and let the Blues know that it's coming all day. Mm. But the Blues are going to expect that as well. So, you know, there's, there's, this is the, the details I, I love of rugby compared to rugby league is it really is a chess game. You know, there's out thinking what they're thinking about you, you know, like it's, it, it's, it's quite an in-depth thing and I, I'm excited to see this play out. Chess versus checkers there. Yeah, absolutely. Um, all right. Well, on to the, uh, I guess we've been talking well, we about. Mean, hmm? Yeah. I was just on to the backs. We were talking we've about talk- both. Yeah. Yeah. We've talked about the big man up front. So. Look, with the Blues, I mean, let's go to the big... I think the big question, um, if there's no Otero Black, the the answer would seem to be Harry Plummer. I think it's extremely unlikely uh, and would suggest that he's not actually eligible to play Bowden Barrett uh, as much as the, 
the, the good spirits are, are there. Um, the good spirited humour is there. But, uh, yeah, Plummer, I think, would be the obvious choice coming in. And for mine, I'm not, I'm not really, I don't really care about that as a question because I think that's what they'll do. But uh, what do they do with the the bench then is, is my question there. So I, I think if we if we see Plummer at 10, we're still expecting TJ Fellani and um, Rico in the centres. But the bench then, they, they won't have a, they won't really have a backup 10 unless, well, I mean, they could put Perifetta on the bench or uh, are we seeing, you know, I, I would almost expect to see something like Tanielu Talea and uh, uh, AJ Lamb. AJ Lamb. Yeah. Look, I, I look for, for me, what they have done in recent weeks is carry three backs. They've had Ruru, they've had Plummer, they've had AJ Lamb or whoever it is covering that that um, wing spot or outside back spot. Mm. So my assumption is if Plummer goes in to start, or Terry Black comes in to fill that spot, mm. it gives them a little bit of an ability then as well to carry one less back. They're going to want to be really physical. They're going to want to be you know dominant up front. It means they can bring in an extra forward, which suits their gameplay. Mm. So it really depends if they're going to go on the off- offense or if they're going to try to, you know, s- try to minimize the Highlanders' loose play. If, if they're going to back themselves to have a physical game, I think they're carrying more forwards in this match. And they yep. might, you know, throw in a Paruru and throw in a Perifetta and it gives you the cover in the, the outside backs as well. Um, and don't forget, you can you can throw Yuani out on the wing as well, shift Plummer into 12 and shift everyone out, you know. It That's gives true. you that ability and, and Zion Sutherland's good enough, mate. He can probably play any position in the back line. So he could slot in at 10 if required. Just saying. Um, his, his kick, mate, his, his kick could be very pivotal in this. I, I wouldn't be surprised if this is a close one and it comes down to either him trying to kick a big boot or Hunt trying to kick it, you know, from the sideline himself. And, you know, it's it's the guy that's done it before against the guy that, you know, we, we know he could do it with his massive boot. So... That's it. an interesting one as well. I wonder, I'm sure Super Rugby Trans-Tasman didn't have any um, uh, super time or, or, you know, golden point or anything like that. I'm sh- sure the final must have something though, right? It can't end in a draw. Yeah, like, the final does. Yeah, the final has, um, I think it's extra time. I don't know if it's golden point or golden try. Unfortunately, we really should know this. But yeah. no, they definitely have golden point of, of some sort. I, I think it might be... Um, penalties are okay to be fair, golden point. Okay. Um, and in rounding out the Blues back line, uh, look, do we, I think we both agree on Mark Talaya and Bryce Heem on the wings. Is that what we see happening here? Mate, Bryce Heem's been too good to argue. Um, I, I wouldn't have picked it early on in the year, but uh, I think he has. He's, um, Talaya, no doubt, for, for me, should be on, on one wing. My team's been a little bit quiet in the last few weeks, um, but I just I just don't think they'll they'll take him out for AJ Lamb. I think AJ Lamb, you know, his, his best chance is to come off the bench, depending what they do with Perifetta there. Mm. Um, but yeah, I think they'll they'll stay pretty consistent. Yes, yeah, um, all right. And in terms of the Highlanders backline, um, look, Aaron Smith, Mitch Hunt in the in the in the fives for sure. Centres, we've, t- we've talked a lot about how we've been impressed with uh, the growing uh, relationship of Scott Gregory at 12, who very much is a 12, happy to concede that. Uh, he's been great. And Michael Collins is junk and shouldn't be playing 13. But, um, no, they've been, they've been pretty good together. My, my honest opinion about Collins is he has been very good in patches. Last year, I think he had a really brilliant year at outside centre. And to me, that was enough to prove he is an outside centre. He is not a winger. 
Um, in the last three or four weeks over this trans Tasman, he has had some really, really good weeks, but he's also been quiet, um, it, which is tricky. I, I think he can rely on Gregory and man outside him too much and, and can find himself going quiet. But if he injects himself into this game, takes ball in hand and, and takes a bit of ownership, I think he can be a really, really influential player in this match. Yeah, I don't like his chances coming up against Rico Iwani, who will leave him for dead. Uh, the reason Michael Collins couldn't be a... Uh, he was a fullback in, and, and he's a centre is because, mate, he's not fast enough to be an outside back for starters. And you watch Mr. Jet Shoes, Rico Iwani, absolutely skin him this weekend. It's going to be fantastic. So, um, Mate, that's, that's legitimately a spot there for, for the Blues, right? You've got Collins at outside centre, Tomkinson... Um, on one wing who positionally I don't think is amazing as, as a winger. Um, he can definitely put hits on, but I, I just don't think he's extremely comfortable there. And you've got Josh Iwani, who's not a fullback, mm. playing fullback. You know, Iwani as in Rico, this, that could be him, right? He could be looking to get outside Collins and, and find some space out there. For sure. Um, and if we don't see Jonah Narecki, which would be an enormous loss for the Highlanders, oh. do we see who? Nani Punavaya coming in or Sam? I think Sam Gilbert is back fit. Um, Sam Gilbert's back. The uh, complete left wing. Uh, see uh, Nahe Milnuskato come. No, I'm joking. That won't happen as much as I'd love it to. But, um, uh, who would you say? I think, I think, we, see, I think we see Gilbert um, come in to fill that void. He, he, before his injury, he was there and he actually had quite a – a couple really solid games for them there. And he's quite a lethal player on the wing. And I'd much prefer to see him. He's a much safer player. Less likely to get you a red card than Pinavai, that's for sure. <laughs> All right. So uh, I guess we've got, to, we've got to come down to our tips for this one. But for mine, uh, we've talked, I think we talked a lot about yeah, the, the strengths and weaknesses of the two teams. For mine, this ultimately comes down to the Blues are winning this game unless... Aaron Smith can do what he's done time and time again, pick the entire team up, put them on his shoulders, and he's got, to score, he's got to score about two tries himself, Aaron Smith, in this one. Um, look, I'm picking the Blues. I'll, I'll go first. I'll make it easy for you. I'm going to tip the Blues to win this game. It is a final, which means I'll have to reel in what I would usually pick a bit. And so I'm going to say Blues by 10. I'm still going to say by 10. So there you go. Look, I, I think the, the boot of these players will be pivotal. Hunt's a very good kicker. They've got Yuani there as well. And I think that will keep the Highlanders potentially in this game in a final where we're bound to see a few more penalties. I don't think it'll break away. But you've just always got to back the home team. The Blues win 1-10. to 10. I'm going to keep it low. I'm going to say they're going to win by three points. Mm. But... I mean, this, it's a tough one. I, I am 100% on board with you that Aaron Smith is going to be the man to decide this match. Yeah. You know, there are going to be other good players on the field from both sides, but Aaron Smith will decide this outcome. Yeah. And, and look, he has just been absolutely amazing. And he's good, he's good enough to decide the outcome of this game. <laughs> if he, he is. He yeah. really is. Yeah, absolutely. So um, he, the bookies have back to the blues but i mean aaron smith would do absolutely everything in his power to get that down south get this this win for the boys down south that's it all right so on to dessert to god what's a god do with that desserto do what do i need that dessert brought to you by pilk Dougie, what do you think of pilk 
It's pelican amazing, mate. Um, it is nice. I don't know. That probably doesn't even work, but it's look. It's ice cream. Um, I think it's plant-based ice cream. Yeah. Plant-based vegan ice cream, organic. Uh, I don't know what the other keywords are that are out there. I'm not sure if those all actually apply, but um, tasty. Ta- tasty is, is definitely one of the keywords. Tasty, healthy, protein-based ice cream. Protein yes, rich, yeah. rich, not protein-based. Protein-rich ice cream. So yeah. Get yep. after it. There you go. All right. So for dessert, we're actually going to run through the fantasy 15 for the year. Uh, we're basing this on averages. So the, the first round of the Australian comp isn't included, and that's just the way it had to work out. So all the Kiwis have had an extra game. So we've gone, we'll base this on averages from players that have played a good chunk of rugby, and all of them have. Um, we'll jump into the, the front row. I mean, Straight off the bat, the most, if we just stop, stop after this front row, it's good. Yeah, agreed. Um, <laughs> so, do you want to do you want to pick? So, who, who's the front row? Who are you putting your money on? I mean, yeah, look, look at some point. But. In doing in doing this quick desserto, uh, Nelson has the the fantasy fifteen of the year written down in front of him, and uh, I'm just, look. I mean, I'm going to guess, but uh, obviously, I'm going to get them all right. Um, I think we've got some Australian props probably going to have ended up with the highest average. Uh, Angus Bell has yep. uh, yep. 61. 61. That's pretty good for In fact, that's higher than that's a lot of the other positions we're going to. That's, that's the top. Oh, that's the top. Yep. Pretty good. Uh, and probably another Waratahs prop, uh, I believe. Uh, Harry Dawson Holmes. Yes, definitely. He was, he was coming in second with 35. And you'd be surprised to know another Aussie prop in number three, Taniela Tupo with 31. I'm, I'm not surprised, mate. We uh, we got props. I'll tell you that much. Three Aussies, mate. Three Aussies. How good. Yeah. And, that, and, and like the rest of the Fantasy 15, it will be dominated by the Aussies. Um, so. For sure. No doubt. <laughs> so, I mean, hook is just easy money, mate. You, we don't need to go for the low-hanging fruit. Cody Taylor, he's a top hooker every year. 50 points, seven points clear of Kurt Eklund on 43. And Asafa Amua, I mean, benched from vast majority of the games and his average was 40. That is amazing. He's a weapon. Yeah. He is. He's an absolute weapon. Mm. If we jump across to the locks, mate, do you want to have a crack at who the locks are? Uh, Lukan Salakai Locks. He died. Lucan yep. Salakai has got to be one. Um, yep. And is this going to be, is the second one going to be a lock who's not actually a lock? No. I don't know who you're thinking. No, okay. No, he's not actually a back rower that's uh, listed as a fantasy lock. They're close. They're um, close, but they're not correct. An actual lock who's been killing it. Uh, On the other side of the Tasman, mate. Well, I don't know why. All I can think of is Paddy Tupelotu, but that can't be right. Well, he came in third, mate. You're, you're missing him. Sammy Whitelock, mate. Ah, that's right. The old man Whitelock. Yes, he had, he, had a, <laughs> he had a higher than average fantasy season this year. He was just crushing it. He, mate, he, he added a few extra strings to that bow for sure. Bit of an offload and a few other things post-contact. Loved to see it. Mm. Um, they were both tied on 33. We jump across into the back row. Mm. We got Hoskins Satutu, top as their number eight, the, the top performer, 48 points uh, around. Luke Jacobson, amazing, 44 Huge. points. And, and Shannon Frizzell, 42 points. Lonely old Will Harrison missing out by one point. How rough. Will Harris, you must be. 
Harry Wilson. Harry Wilson. <laughs> Harry Wilson. Will, to me. Will and Harry, the combination of those names in some form. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> Harry Harry Wilson. We we should know who that is. <laughs> uh, look, the the halfback. This is going to be tough for you, mate. Who do you reckon the halfback? Is, and how many points do you think he's clear? This one is just as simple as the hook is, mate. Uh, your boy, <laughs> Tate McDermott. Um, yeah. I guess in terms of points clear, first of all, I've got to give his average. His average is probably 45 or so around there. 46, mate. That's pretty good. Well, yeah, okay. And points clear, I don't even know who the next best halfback is. Probably Aaron Smith or... <laughs> Can't even think of who it is. But, Aaron Smith's third. Aaron Smith's third. Uh, but anyway, next point's probably at least 15 points clear, I'd say. So the the man below him is Jake Gordon on ah. 38. So only eight points difference. Okay, all right. All right, I forgot about that. Where, where did Aaron Smith land? He was third on, on 35. So 11 points difference. Okay, well, okay, 15 was a bit much then. But okay, no, very good. If we jump across super easy, Richie Mwanga is the the starting, the top fly half with 56 points. Will Harrison comes in second. Now, what's the difference between those? 56 for Richie, what did Will Harrison get? Uh, in the 30s. 35 points, 21 points clear. <laughs> yep. No, well, that's why Richie Mwanga was the first. If Richie Mwanga and Cody Taylor weren't the first, like, two or three picks in your fantasy league, then you've been doing it wrong. I can tell you that much. A hundred percent. Look, uh, he would have been my first pick once again in the grand final. And I would have just expected him to carry my team because he actually grows an extra leg when it comes to fantasy footy as in, in grand finals and just takes it upon himself as well. He's not just a big game player. He's an every game player, Richie Mould. He's, uh, you know. He, he is. He is. Easy one to, to take out top spot for the centres. That's Nani Alomarpe on his way out. Who came in second? Quinn Tupaya. Correct. Quinn Tupaya with 38, slipping just in front of Anton Leonard-Brown on 37. Both who, who kind of had, I was going to say, both who had fairly disappointing seasons, you'd say. And by that, I mean Tupaya in that he got injured right at kind of the peak of his powers. We're really seeing him blossom into an incredible player. And look, he has, to his credit, he's come back and he was fantastic last week. But um, Lamarpe as well, just, uh, I mean, I think we said for the first half of the year, we kind of felt like it's like they had a leaving the Ferrari parked in the garage. They just weren't giving him the ball, uh, which was our amazement. But um, yeah, there you go. Yeah, they they seem to try to get him to offload. Uh, Maybe that they knew he was leaving. (laughs) <laughs> that's that's now my speculation on in recent sort of you know reflection. They they didn't want to rely just on him. They wanted him to try to get the people around him involved. Yeah, that is my speculation. I, I figured that um, actually no. That they they wanted to um they were trying to threaten him that they wouldn't give him the ball if he was threatening to leave. Uh, and then yeah. he did leave, and they were like, right, I want to give you the ball. So that's what happens. Yeah, yeah, so, we may as well give you the ball. <laughs> mutually assured <laughs> destruction as well. Yeah. <laughs> So when we jump across into the outside backs, this is this is tricky because there's four all tied up on 45 points. Mm-hmm. One of them misses out, and they're going to miss out on total season points. So can you give me the makeup of those back three? This is a memory test for me, really. Um, <laughs> okay, in the top three, Jordy Barrett was right up there. Um, Jordy Barrett's your fullback. Fullback. Uh, Will Jordan, he's got to be up in there. Yep. He's on one wing. 
Uh, and now I do remember what happened. The uh, for our podcasters, we'll do the slow reveal. The other two blokes tied were both Kiwis. We had Damien McKenzie, D Mac, and Salisi Rayasi. And who do you think made it out of those two players into the top fantasy 15 of the year? Nelson, kill their suspense. Mate, Celesi Rayasi with 497 total points mm. compared to Damien McKenzie's 495. Ooh. Two points the difference. So if DMAC didn't get a red card and got to play the last few games, uh, well, actually, I don't know. He could have. Uh, we assume his average, his average might have stayed up at, uh, stayed up there, but... Um, yeah, well, he was versing Aussies, so... Yeah, okay, well, let's be fair. He's averaged it. I mean, he would have scored three tries last week. So those, those Wainui tries would have all been DMAC tries for sure. Probably. Now, my, my one last question on this. Mm. That is the 15 best players. We can say 16 if you want to give a little caveat for, for DMAC there. But how many of those players, without thinking too hard about it, mm. are actually going to be playing this weekend? Very few. Uh, like three? We'll take a quick stab. One. Is it just Satutu? Hoskins, Satutu. Yeah, literally, all I could think of was Satutu, and I thought there's got to be someone else, so I just said three. How, yeah, you, you've got Shannon Frizzell not playing through injury, and they were the only two. So it, it's wow. it's going to be a tricky one, really. Uh, and I know Chrissy, my competition's <laughs> sitting there listening to, to this, so we, I've given all my information, but it's going to be a tricky one, and it's going to come down to strategy. And uh, it'll be interesting to see, but you know, it's always a little bit of luck in here, so maybe he has a chance. How much um, coin tossing are you going to do so that you can blame the coin and not yourself? You know what I mean? What? How much coin flipping are you going to do for every pick? Mate, I'm going to overthink it, and I'm going to look at tactics and assume where I think he's going to go in response and go from there. Well, the funnest part of the uh, when it does come down to more 50-50 decisions. Is, is there going to be more snookering on the line? Of course, uh, the fantasy, you know, strategies, you could pick up both hookers, both starting hookers, you know what I mean? Like things like that. So yeah. um, we're, we're both above board, mate. We'd never do anything like that. It's going to be a real test of the fantasy managers. Um, and looking forward to uh, our draft uh, on Thursday. I'll see you on Thursday night at the pub, mate, for that. So this should be good. Yep. Sounds good, mate. I'm, I, I can't wait. It's, it's going to be a big weekend of footy. We've only got one match, but... There's a lot waiting on it. This is big for, for New Zealand. This is big for Auckland. Big for Targo. Oh, I, I can't wait to see it. How good. A, this has been a Harry-free episode of the Draft Rugby Show. Um, I'm sure you all feel as relaxed and, um, you know, just fantastic after that episode. And, uh, yeah, I guess we'll catch you again next week after the final and um, we'll uh, review that and talk about things to come. How good. Hooroo. You!